I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all got to start, start appreciating. And you got to stop disrespecting this man. You got AJ Brown, who's a legit number one. And you got Julio, who's a legit number one. One of them dudes got to get double teamed. Who going to get double teamed? And whoever gets double teamed, the other one gets the ball. I'm saying this with no pun intended, with full of pride. Yo, what it do? Welcome to another rendition of the Prideful Takes Podcast. As always, it's your boy Pride. We got a good show. Million dollar question. Is Uncle Dana tripping on one again? And of course, the NFL MVP race is heating up. But first and foremost, the ALCS and the NLCS are set. It's going to be Boston and Houston in the AL. And the Dodgers playing Atlanta in the NL. Boston got here after uh, we handed off business against the Rays. Houston took care of business against the White Sox. It took five games, but the Dodgers took care of the Giants. And Atlanta overcame the Brewers to get to the point we're at. Best of seven. Who finna take that dub? Now we're going to start clearly in the NL. Maybe it's just me. It could be just me. But I just don't think in any way, shape, or form that the Braves have any chance against the Dodgers. I really don't. I think out. they might sneak a game. But other than that, I just – I don't – I'm looking at this team. I don't see them being able to hang with the Dodgers. Again, it could just be me. It could be maybe I'm just tripping on one. That's a possibility. Look, they're a good team, okay? Clearly, Freddie Freeman, he's a, he's a great you know, first baseman. Not going to take anything from him. But at the same time, when you look at the roster – there's not really anybody who you look at and go, oh, my God, these guys can beat a great team. Again, they're good. Unfortunately, the Dodgers are just great. And it sucks to say that because I feel for Freddie Freeman. I, I like him a lot. I think he's a great he's a great first baseman. I like him a lot. I think he's one of the best first basemen in the league we have today. Um, they have Jock Pe- uh, Peterson, who they got from L.A., which he ended up paying dividends, hitting that, uh, you know, he ended up hitting some clutch. He got some clutch hits going on. But if you look at this lineup, and this is what this, the lineup is projected to be. Now, uh, Soler, he's not going to be playing because he's on the COVID list. More likely, it's going to be Swans, uh, Swanson at um, batting first. Then Freeman, followed by Ozzy, then Austin Riley, Eddie Rosario in the five hole. Six is going to be Adam Duvall, Jock Peterson at seven, eight. Travis uh, is going to be Travis, and then nine is going to be their catcher. Most likely, it's going to be Max Fried, who after the All Star break has been on a tear and has been their best pitcher since the All Star break. So they're probably going to lead with him and try to steal one at home. Now, when you look at the Dodgers, you got Mookie Betts. Uh, he's probably going. He's probably going to get the leadoff spot. Corey Seager. At two, three is going to be Trey. Four is going to be Justin Turner. Five, Will Smith. You got Albert Pujols more than likely. I have a feeling that they should probably sit Cody Belger for a little bit and have Alex Pujols come. Um, Albert Pujols come in there. So I'm hoping it's him at the six. Chris Taylor at, at seven. Um, AJ Pollock going to be coming in in the eighth spot. And then as far as far as the pitching, they're probably going to go with, with Tony um, uh, Gonsolin, but Max Scherzer wants it and. They want to avoid that because he just had a pitch. He basically he had to come out as a reliever. and He pitched the ninth inning. It was flawless. He got his first career save. So maybe they might end up dipping, dipping their feet in with him. Look, 
right now, Dodgers are that team. Not just in the NL, but everywhere. They're that team. They're the team everybody wants to beat. Team everybody's got to beat. And the way it's looking right now, I just don't – I don't see I, – like I said, the only team I could genuinely, genuinely see beating them is – and I'm going to sound biased, but the Boston Red Sox. And that's just because pitching is suspect, but the offense – and you can even make the case with Houston because Houston also does have a very high-powered offense. But the Braves don't have it as high-powered as everybody else. So in terms of that, I think it's going to be a clean sweep for the Dodgers. I really do. I mean, maybe 4-1. Maybe. But I, I just don't expect it. But in the AL, this is this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. We are hosting Houston. Uh, well, we're not hosting Houston, but we're playing Houston. Which I don't mind. I really don't. The lineup, this is the official lineup um, for Atlanta and the Dodgers. That's the projected most likely lineup. These are the lineups that are set. So it's going to be Atuve at the one. He's going to be at second. Michael Brantley, instead of him in the upfield, he's, he's batting two, and he's going to be in the DH. Alex Bregman is going to be at third base, and he's batting three. Um, Jordan Alvarez, he's going to be in left field. He's batting four, five, Carlos Correa at short. Kyle Tucker is going to be batting at six. He's going to be in right field. Um, Guriel is going to be at first, and he's batting seven. Chad McCormick, he's going to be in center field, batting eight. And Martin Maldonado, he's going to be catcher. He's going to be in that um Nine hole, and then their starting pitch is going to be Framber Valdez compared to them boys, dirty water boys. Love them with a passion. It's going to be Kiki Hernandez leading off after that. It's going to, and he's going to be playing center. And that two is going to be Kyle Schwarber at first, which kind of surprised me a little bit. At three is going to be Xander Bogarts at shortstop. Four, Rafael Devers at third. JD Martinez is batting fifth, and he's going to be DHing. Hunter Renfro at sixth, right field, and seventh. Alex Verdugo at left field. Uh, Christian Arroyo is going to be. Second uh, second base, he's going to be batting eighth. And Christian Vasquez in the nine hole playing catcher. And the starting pitcher is going to be uh, Chris Sale. A lot of people are wondering why we're starting Chris Sale. And this is something you need to understand. Because a, a normal person would say put Nathan Evaldi out there, right? But here's the thing. Chris Sale is our best pitcher. And there's just no debate. He's our best pitcher. And if Boston wants any type of success... With a pitching staff that's suspicious. If we're going to go anywhere in this postseason, Chris Hill has to be a part of it. And he's got to be a key part of it. He's going to have to be that guy for us. Whether we like it or not, he he's has to. Because if not, we're, we're, we're going to be screwed. We're going to be screwed. So him getting the ball game one, I have no, I have no issues with it. Let's see how it goes. Again, they're, they're not going to let him pitch six, seven innings. They're probably going to do, like, you know, four or five, and then go to the bullpen. You know, they, they, they want everyone to preserve their arms in the postseason. Um, I think this one, I think this genuinely is going to go seven. I'm I'm going to go Boston. I think it's going to be Boston Red Sox in seven. Both offenses are just high-powered. It's going it, to – it's good. they're going to be a lot of high-scoring games, which is what I, I love – personally, I love to see because those are exciting games for me. And at the same time, you start seeing those high-scoring games. You kind of got to see the pitchers adjust. And they got they're gonna have to adjust. So it's gonna be interesting to see. But uh, maybe it's just me being a little biased. But I, I got Boston in seven. Um, it's gonna be very interesting to see. 
And frankly, I'm I'm looking forward to to, to this series because again, not only with Boston, they shouldn't be here because of rebuilding, but Houston also has a point to prove. They need they're trying to prove that, yeah, look, we cheated that we cheated, but we're 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 still nice. And you gotta respect us. Which best way to do it, just making it to the World Series. Just making it to the World Series alone will make people have to respect it. Now imagine if Houston wins. So Houston also has a chip on their shoulder, so they they definitely have a lot to prove. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a great one, and 100. The NL right now is kind of weak because I'm not really you know I, I think it's gonna be a cakewalk, but the AL those are gonna be some games you gotta watch. Is Uncle Dana on one? I think he is. Um, he believes that right now Kamar Usman is the greatest welterweight of all time, passing. GSP. You should know who GSP is. Georgia St. Pierre. Rush is what they call that, man. Is Uncle, ba- is Uncle Dana on one? I'll be honest here. At face value, it sounds like he's on one. But then if you take a minute and relax, fall back a little bit, and actually watch, he's not. Now, do I? let me preface this by saying I believe not only is GSP the greatest welterweight of all time, I believe he's the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. I believe he's the greatest UFC fighter. Well, I can't say mixed martial artist. He's the greatest UFC fighter of all time. I believe it. I genuinely do. Um, He was a dude who came out and was really one of the, he was one of the first all-around guys who became dominant. Because he could do it all. George George would be able to take you to the distance, he couldn't make a tap, or he could knock you out. George was he was a problem. He really well, he was a problem, and defensively, he was even more of a problem because it was very difficult. Now he's 26 and 2, which personally I believe he should be 25 and 3 because he lost to Johnny Hendricks, but that's neither here nor there. He's 26 and 2. Eight wins by KO, six wins by submission, 12 wins by decision. He got 3.78 significant strikes landed per minute, uh, 53 striking, uh, 53% striking accuracy, and 72% striking defense. So, what striking defense is, because not a lot of people usually hear that, what that is, is how many, like the percentage you make your opponents miss when they try to hit you. So, GSP knows how to not get hit. Again, this is not to make a, uh, an argument or a debate that Kamar Usman is overrated. No, because I am on record, I am a Kamar Usman fan. But if you start looking at some of the names that GSP has beaten, he's beaten Nick Diaz. And that was when, you know, Nick Diaz was Nick Diaz. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this this wasn't right. So, this wasn't a guy that took the – he beat Carlos Condit, who's legit. Jake Shields, legit. Uh, Josh Koscheck, he's beat him. He's beat BJ Penn. He's beat – the only two losses he has was Matt Sarah and Matt Hughes. He then went on to beat them. So the two guys that he beat, he was able to find a way to change his game in one what way one way or another to beat them. So not only has he beat them, he he's he's beaten numerous guys, Frank Trick, Sean Shirt. He he's beaten a lot of guys. And again, he's beaten them in dominant fashion. In a way where you can't really say, eh, maybe did he win? Did he not? I don't know. No. 
very dominant fashion. Now, if you look over at Kobe Covington, or I'm sorry, not Kobe Covington, uh, Kamar Usman, again, hell of a fighter. Nothing but nothing but respect for him. 19 and 1. He's on an 18-fight win streak, I believe it is. Nine wins by KO, one by submission, nine wins by decision. Uh 4.63 significant strikes landed per minute. So that's more. Uh 54 striking uh, percent accuracy, which is a little under. And then 57% striking defense. I will I will give um Usman this in this regard. He can take damage. He can. He can take damage. He can, he can recover. He, 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 now, this guy we see, he's very poised. But, again, if you start looking at, at the guys that he beat, okay, Gilbert Burns, I like that. Masvidal, right? He beat, right? So, no no issues there. Covington, Tyron Woodley, who people can say was, you know, Rafael Dos Anjos, Damian Maya. And then after that, you start getting to, you know, he beat Leon Edwards before he was Leon Edwards, if you know what I mean. So, do I think he's the greatest? No. I personally don't. I think he's on the path, though. I think this is where he doesn't get that much respect. I genuinely believe he's on the path to being the greatest. And not only the greatest of all time, the greatest of all time. I He's, he's getting there. I have absolutely nothing but respect for them. So it's not like, you know, it's like I hate him and I'm trying to put him down. Because, again, I'm a fan of his. I believe right now it's his time. I think this is a conversation we can have in about three years. If we have this three years, we'll be able to, to, to come back to this and say, okay, you know, is he on one? as of right now, Uncle Dana's on one. Uncle Dana 100% is on one. Because when you start looking at him, and it, it, it sucks having these conversations because, you know, there's always that one person that says, oh, well, it doesn't matter because you can't teleport them. You know, you can't put a prime um, GSP today. Or you can't, you can't throw Kamar Usman right now on a time machine and put him back to face a prime GSP. So that it is, it does suck that, that, that you can't really, you know, say anything. You can't really, you know, there's no, nothing factual. I mean, not really factual, but concrete. It's always going to end up with, oh, but we'll never know. Especially now that GSP is uh, four years old. I think with every passing moment, I don't. I just don't. I don't think we're ever going to see this this fight because this is a fight a lot of people really wanted to see. Like, you know, I believe if Usman is would ever get in a in a octagon with GSP. I think it would be great to see, you know, Usman right now is 34. Um, I believe GSP is about 40. So again, this is something that I would, I would want to see, but at the same time, GSP, I don't think GSP really wants to fight anymore. I think he doesn't really care to fight, which I don't blame him. I really don't. You know, he already proved everything he had to prove. Beating the guys he had to beat. So, in terms for him, it'll be very, very interesting to see how they will look in the in the octagon together. Unfortunately, we'll never get that. And that's what sucks about it. 
something we're not going to get. I don't, like I said, I frankly don't believe that's something we ever will get. But as of right now, GSP is the greatest welterweight of all time and the greatest fighter of all time. In about three years, let's see the trajectory Usman is. Because if, if he's out here really demol- like dominating his era, his division, then you can say, okay, he's better. But as of now, we're going to have to stick with GSP. Speaking of three-letter names, GSP, MVP heating up in the NFL. A lot of guys that, frankly, haven't been in the conversation in a while. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson. What do these guys have in common? They're MVPs. So with all that going and with all the surprise and all the other guys who really stepped up to show how great they truly are, as of now, I'm going to give my top three guys to win this division. Now, honorable mention is going to have to go to Russell Wilson. I believe the way Russ was playing, he would have been in MVP contention. Um, Messing up his finger, that kind of eliminates him because now he's not going to be back. And like the, the soonest he can come back is week 10 against the Packers. That's as soon as he can come back. So with that being said, you know, it sucks, but it is what it is. Number three. Justin Herbert, 67% completion percentage, which, again, for a young guy, is pretty nice. 1,576 yards, 13 TDs, three interceptions, QBR of 104.7, and he's leading the Chargers to a record of 4-1. and one. Now, the records matter, yes, of course, but at the same time, your stats also need to matter. This kid has helped leading this team. We I've, we said this Monday when I had Chris here. It's time to stop talking about this team like they're a team of the future, right? Like, because, and I was a fool of this. I fell under it too. I thought they were heading in the right direction. And I thought this year, were they going to be, I didn't think they were going to be this. And the, and the most important of this is because of that kid, Justin Herbert. I like him. The guy throws the ball, and when he throws it, it's it's almost like no effort. He just – and then the ball goes 50 yards. No problem. It's, it's incredible. He's got great arm talent. You can see him learning the game. Um, and, he again, again, what I like about him, he every shot doesn't have to be a home run shot. He looks and takes what he can get. If he can get a, a 15-yard bomb, 20-yard bomb, 30-yard bomb, he'll take it. But if there's nothing, he got to check that, do a check down, he does that too. He's good either way. Um, I believe if he goes, if they go on a tear, again, these three guys, I think they're a lot closer than people care to admit. I think in one week, this kid can go from three to one like that. That's how that's that's how close I think it is with the MVP race. I don't think this year it's anyone really running with it. Um, but number two, Josh Allen. This guy is, they call him the Winter Soldier. I did not know that until I actually listened to, like, a Bills broadcast, which you actually got to go out of your way to find it. I was listening to a Bills broadcast, and they call him the Winter Soldier. Never knew that. 62.3% completion percentage, 1,370 yards, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions, 102.5 quarterback rating, and he's leading the Bills to a 4-1 record. Remember how I said that? 
Justin Herbert throws the ball and it looks easy for him. Yeah, it looks even easier for this man. Like a lot of the balls he throws, that he need that they need that need to go the distance. Just seems so effortless. I, again, I believe it's effortless. And that's how it looks like to him. It just looks like he's just kind of going with the motion and the ball just goes. It, it's very nice to watch. He doesn't care. This guy plays with reckless abandonment that he's like, look, I'm out here to win. I'm trying to win. And with that determined, like, that type of determination is very dangerous. It's very dangerous, obviously, for him. But it's also dangerous for everybody else because if you really think about it, you're playing against a guy who knows, look, my arm can beat you. My arm can beat your defense. So at this point, it's like, you know, stop me. And if you can't stop me, I'm going to have fun because, again, he likes he likes that deep ball. And what's nice about him, he can throw the deep ball, the deep ball and he can connect with it. So as of right now, he's my second. Third, I don't think this is a surprise to anybody, Kyler Murray. He's my third. And I honestly, I, I just, there's just no other way really to put it. 75.2% completion percentage, 1,512 yards, 10 touchdowns, four interceptions, 113 uh, passer rating. Um, he's leading the Cardinals to 5 0, which is the only undefeated team left in the NFL. The way this guy's playing is different. He's taking risks, right? Kind of like what Josh what Josh Allen does. But the difference is that they're calculated risks. Like, let that sink in. This guy just is the way he plays, the way he's doing his thing. It's very, very interesting to see considering the way he does it is just um, – I'm, I'm, I feel like I can get this through. Let me, let me, let me see what I can get away with. Every risk he does is not just some wild, idiotic idea. It's like a, okay, you know, it, it, it's risky, but I could pull it off. It's almost as if he, he sees. You can actually see him thinking about the risk while the play is going on, and then he goes for it. And then he commits to it. And that's something that's very special. Um, not a lot of people um, can do that. And as of right now, without a shout out, he's got to be the MVP. I, I just don't – I don't see anybody else being the MVP. You know, right now it's his. Um, like I said, it's close, though. It's close. Um, so I'm going to give it to him. Before I let you guys go – I, there's just something I, I need to get off my chest real quick. I've done it before, and I, it's just now I'm seeing people do it more and more and more and more. more. The preseason does not determine whether or not a team is going to be good or bad. What people are doing, because obviously they hate LeBron, they're going, they're look, they're watching the Lakers games, right? And the Lakers are losing, right? But again, it's preseason. They're not really trying. They're kind of just like going through the motions. They're not looking and saying, oh, well, look at this. Oh, and it's like, bro, do you not realize what the preseason is for? 
It's meant for guys who are fighting for minutes. It, it, it's interesting to me. The preseason games count for LeBron, but then the bubble doesn't. Let that sink in one time. Let that sink in. I've said it before, and I say, I'll say it again, and I genuinely believe this. If you're a person who comes up to me and tells me, oh, this team is going to be bad, and I ask you, okay, why? And you say anything has to do with the preseason. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not talking to you. I'm going to say, okay, and I'm walking away. That's it. Preseason, any sport. Any sport. Because in the preseason, you need to understand something. When it comes to the preseason, them guys are just trying to figure it out. Especially when you have when you're when you have a big three, right? And it's a big three that frankly you just never, you know, you don't you don't know if how you guys are gonna fit together. You don't know how you're gonna fit together. It could work, it could not work. We need to figure out, okay, you know, when you bring the ball up, how do I use my my the way I play to mesh well with you? It works well for some people. You know, if you got a guard, man, you got a guard with a big man and you're three, right? Let's say it's like that. Or two guards and a big man, right? You got one big one guard being a facilitator. Yeah, the big man who, you know, can rely on that facilitator. And then you got the guy who just, you know, oh, I'll fight his club. We can just, you know, give it to him. And that's it. But it takes time to figure stuff out. It takes time to figure out your role on a team, especially if it's a team that you're supposed to be like, you know, a third guy and you get there and you don't really know. You don't really know what you're, you know, how to properly fill your role for the team's need. I'm on record saying I don't think this Lakers team will be able to win. I don't think so. Not because of LeBron, not because of Anthony Davis. I believe Russell Westbrook. And this is just common knowledge. If those, if you disagree with this, you're an idiot. Russell Westbrook just doesn't fit. He just he doesn't fit cleanly on this team. But for me to say, oh, look at the preseason games. Oh, I told you, would be idiot. That 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 that'd be idiotic. We need to relax and stop pointing at things that, frankly, don't matter. Preseason doesn't matter. For, for the stars, anyway. For the stars. Now, those guys that are fighting for their minutes, and it, it'll determine whether or not they go to the G League or if they come, you know, stay and determine on the terms of the two-way contract. That matters. But we need to stop acting as if the preseason is the end-all, be-all. I'm going to leave you guys with this. If you ever talk to somebody and they say and they take the preseason more serious than the regular season, excuse yourself from that conversation because, frankly, it's not a conversation worth having. Follow us on Twitter, at Prideful Takes. Uh, I, I, I always tweet stuff, whether it be news. Um, if you guys want to, you know, argue with me about something, tweet me. You know, I I, I, I have no problem responding. Catch us on Facebook at Prideful Takes. We be putting up memes. Um, we go live on Facebook. And we also sometimes be putting up news up there. Um, if you don't have a Facebook, we're on YouTube at Prideful Takes. So that way, if you don't have Facebook, you can still see us. 
check out our website, www.pridefultakes.com. Not only is every single episode up there, but also we have original articles as well. And check us out on Spotify at Private Takes Podcast. Every single episode goes up as soon as we're done here. So as soon as the episode is done, download it, put it right up there. So it'll be up there and ready to view well within 30 to 45 minutes. As always, it's your boy Pride. Appreciate you guys spending some time with me. And like I always say, if somebody takes the preseason serious, that's a red flag. Catch you guys in the next one. I knew where that was going. That was a great read. Oh, Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the two on the season. Second and one for the Bills. They handle the rush. Allen looking. It's down. Two to Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks.